It's Winter Storm that's coming up, right? It is, yeah. That's the official name. Suddenly, now my mind is like searching. Like, is it Kansas City Winter Storm? Kansas City Hornpipe? No, wait, that's the it's Fred like Morrison M-half. tune. You know, it's it's M Half Winter Storm. So is that mid, what they call it? Yeah, Midwest Highland Arts Fund, and then Winter Storm is just yeah, that's the name of it. I don't think Kansas City is officially attached to the name. Yeah, I'm assuming that that's why Fred Morrison wrote that tune, though, right? The Kansas City Hornpipe. I believe so. It's a killer yeah. tune. Does it have something to do with him getting caught in, like in a storm and not being able to get there or something, or getting stuck there? Or I, I don't quite know. I'd believe it. I don't know the backstory, but uh, I know he, his Illumpipe pipe version is killer. But in his book, he has a Highland pipe version. I don't know if you knew that, but he does, yeah. and it's great. I did not. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, it's great fun to play for sure. Um, but speaking of uh, winter storm coming up, Andrew, you yourself have judged. You yourself have played for many judges, and you know other judges. Yeah. What? What is a judge listening for in a solo competition? Yeah, so it's a good question, and it all depends on, well, it can depend on the judge, and it, and it also really depends on what level you're listening to. So, you know, mm. the, the different solo competition grades go all the way from basically pure beginner all the way to ultra advanced. So depending on what level that is, you know, I think what what's really being listened for probably changes or or the or or the specificity of it changes but basically you're sure. listening to um i mean a uh, a good way to boil it down would be that you're listening to the quality of the finger work technique right so grace notes and no crossing noises and embellishments and making sure everything's there so that would be one of the things you're evaluating you're probably listening to the quality of the instrument itself so how well is it tuned? Uh, what quality of sound do you get out of the instrument? How steady is the person blowing? You know, those sort of things. It's going to mm-hmm. go into the instrument evaluation. And then, um, you know, on top of that, it's probably going to be the musical merit of, of what you're playing. So, so are you expressing the tune well? Are you, uh, are you presenting it uh, in a way that the judge enjoys? You know, and I think okay. those those three categories, some cocktail, some cocktail of those three things is what any judge is going to be listening for when they listen. And I, I guess right now I'm just speaking specifically to solo competition, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm curious about is specifically solo competition. Um, the breaking it into three categories helps helps for me like like thinking like what is it that I'm thinking about when you, so when it comes to finger work, do you feel like you're more listening for mess ups? Or are you listening for really great execution? You know what I mean? And maybe that changes yeah. on, based on the level. But is it like, oh, well, they didn't screw up any of their F-doublings, so good for them. Or is it like, wow, that was an amazing burl, you know, I feel like points. it's a, yeah, it's a good question. Like, so I, I think it's kind of like um, uh, Jedis versus the Siths, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, that question. So like, yeah, so are you listening for faults or are you listening for qualities, um, yeah. And I think the answer is a good judge is going to have to balance, uh, you know, the dark side of the force uh, and what, what is it? The light side? No. Uh, and the, the good side, the bright side, Yeah, the bright side. That's it. I'm yeah. sure that's what is definitely the, other side? It, the no. bright side. <laughs> yeah. So I think a good judge is probably going to do both and that's probably true at all levels, you know? So mm. uh, I've heard, I've heard um, like at Oban and Inverness, I've heard, people miss technique 
but still win some of the biggest prizes available on the face of the earth, right? So in that case, there are obvious faults in the technique, but there must have been aspects of the performance that were so good that they kind of balanced it out and it was forgivable, hmm. right? And then, you know, I'm sure the opposite uh, is also sometimes true, but yeah, coming up as a competitor, you always hated those, the bean counter judges, right? You know, the ones that would yeah. just list like, oh, you missed that grace note, missed doubling, missed doubling, small crossing noise, you know, first place. Oh no. Or, or even worse, you know, <laughs> seventh place or something like that. That's uh, more we, to my you know, experience there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it would be interesting. And then as someone who judges competitions, uh, certainly in the more developmental levels, I'm interested in players that have really good technique. Like that's my primary interest. And then my secondary yeah. interest, it's, a, you know, for me, it's secondary interest. Like if they had a bunch of misses or if they miss a lot of grace notes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you have, so you have to carefully balance that as a judge and as a listener kind of listening to a, uh, solo competition, you, you can judge what, how you feel the different performances compare, uh, and you can decide what you value as well, which is probably, sure. you know, it's probably worth thinking about. Gotcha. So, so in the second bucket, then when it comes to like play and steady and the, the instrument itself, right? Like that, what, what, what comes to my mind is something similar to the anxiety that we probably have all, <laughs> maybe this is, maybe this is too much, right? Uh, but the, the anxiety that maybe, maybe only I, but I suspect maybe all of us secretly have felt when in the pool that like, is there that chemical in this pool that'll show if I pee right now, right. it'll change colors. Yeah. Like, can a judge hear if I have not even looked at my drone reads in months, you know, like, yeah. like to what degree is, are my dirty secrets about bad maintenance going to come through in my performance for, uh, for anybody at the level that they can be an accredited judge or is yeah, it more so just the, about blowing steady? So the answer to that question is, uh, I'm trying to bring it back to the pool analogy, but I'm struggling. The answer <laughs> to that question is uh, a good judge can absolutely 100% tell. Yeah. I would say. Uh, and sometimes Great. you might, sometimes you might manage to get your drones in tune with each other, but yeah. like, let's say, let's say they're, they're, they're too open and they're too loud and raucous, you know, like a judge is definitely going to pick up on that. Um, mm. and it's going to have a negative impact on the tonal quality. And then it's likely to impact, you know, what a judge is going to think of that performance. Let's, let's pretend like two performances were perfectly equal, except for one guy had, you know, uh, what, you know, one guy had the drone, the drone reads sort of, we use the word calibrated at the dojo, but mm. like, let's say the drone reads were set perfectly and in tune. And then the other ones were in tune, but the drone reads really weren't set perfectly. Well, all other things being equal. Yeah. The judge can definitely tell yeah. the chemicals are definitely in that pool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so but then, you know, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you, sometimes you'll look the other way if there's a minor issue with that just because other aspects of the performance are uh, particularly noteworthy. Sure, amazing finger work or, or the great expression or yeah. something. Mm -hmm. And when the bright side yeah. is, is so bright that it, it, it drives out some of the darkness, huh? Right, exactly. Could be, um, or it could go the other way. Right, so, so right. kind of to the same end, like we, I think we like to think that during those first few minutes, like the, the, tuning, the tuning phase, you know, like the judges somehow turn off their brains. So like right. they can't hear us and they can't see us, but they obviously can like, yes, 
are they if they're not taking notes on the paper are they already taking notes in their head because like that's the moment when like for me i'm like suddenly i'm like okay wait a minute wait a minute does adrian melvin think that it's a better idea to tune the outside tenor before the bass you know like like i'm i'm immediately in my head about like am i even tuning up correctly you know for my soloing right. yeah it's a good point so can we back up a smidge and just talk about that what that is because i don't think a lot yeah. of people are clear on that so so uh in all bagpipe competition that i'm aware of there's a allotted period of period of time that you're allowed to use for tuning um and that you know i think that at first glance you, you're probably asking the question like why is that necessary why don't just people just show up with their pipes in tune yeah, and then just start walk, playing. Just walk out there and play. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, you know, uh, I actually think that is kind of a reasonable thing. And I personally hope that the world goes in that direction someday mm. where it's like where we can get rid of this. But traditionally, we allow this tuning time. Um, and, and the issue there is that um, anyone who's played bagpipes at an intermediate level or beyond will know. We'll, we'll start to notice that the bagpipe tuning changes over time, right? It, it doesn't yeah. stay the same. It doesn't stay the same particularly well. It's not like my digital piano that's always in tune, right? It's like uh, the bagpipe's always going to change. Like if it's a little bit colder, the pitch right. is going to kind of change. If, it, if it's a little bit warmer, the pitch might change. Well, and, and you know like, that like the judge's table will be in the sun when it's time for you yes, to play and stuff like exactly. that. Yeah. And then so you're, you're often changing environments from the tuning area to the playing area uh, and so on. And so, uh, and so that period of time is really for the bagpipes to settle. Okay, So, mm. so when you're, if you're curious about that, when you're watching a, a competition, especially a higher level one, that initial period of time, the piper might be playing a slow air, or they might just be playing a miscellaneous string of notes uh, or some combination thereof, and you'll see them occasionally reach up and tweak the drones. Like that's, that's just the piper getting their instrument settled and ready to play for mm. a, a specific period of time where they're not allowed to touch their pipes after that point, right? So once, you're, right. once your march starts or your P-Brock starts, and think about a P-Brock, right? It's very, very long in duration. So once that tune starts, you're not allowed to reach up and tweak your drones, which interestingly, historically, has not always been the case. Really? But, which I found really interesting, yeah. Like my understanding is like way back in the day, it was kind of expected that throughout the tune, you might reach up and tweak the tuning a little bit just to keep things. Interesting. Uh, but that's no longer a thing, you know, and so for competition, you got to last the whole tune, which means that that settling period is very, very handy. And the more advanced you get, the more discerning you are during that that period of time and the more strategy would be involved in getting the pipe settled. OK, but uh, but anyway, back to your question, which was. Do the judges evaluate the players during that period of time? Right. Yeah. And so the on paper, the answer is no judge not supposed to yeah but then in reality you know of they course, are right? definitely yeah, like if i open exactly. if i pull my chanter out and like suck on my reed and pinch it or something right there in front of them like what are they gonna say right <laughs> yeah yeah and i and i remember i remember jack lee educating me about this you know like basically i i remember it actually extremely distinctly because i remember mm. callum beaumont so it was back in our SFU pipe band days, and I remember Callum Beaumont had just joined the band. And we were at some event where we were all playing solos, and Callum, of course, just destroyed the entire field. 
he was that like makes sense sure <laughs> he was like four foot one and and like you know um the the uh he, the classic Callum Beaumont just like I don't know he'd be mad if I said this so I'm not gonna no I'll say it like got that baby face you know just like <laughs> Callum and so super young and amazing incredible player but like he just came up and like ran the show yeah. and then I thought I had a good tune and I was just interested on how things compared and like Jack's like main criticism to me was like how I was presenting myself while I was tuning, you know, really? he was like, yeah, he was picking apart like my tuning regime because of course at the high levels, you know, that first impression is really important. And even though, even though it's not going to factor in officially to the result, just how you present yourself as a competitor and how you present yourself during that tuning period is kind of important. And mm. I, I would definitely recommend even at the lower levels, uh, make sure that you practice what your tuning plan is going to be. Hmm. Yeah, because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, because that first impression really matters. You know? So, would you say like generally it's a good idea to take your full allotted amount of time, or would you just say like play till you feel like it's settled and then go for it because it's not going to stay settled forever? Okay, great question. Well, what level are we talking about? Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, well, how about me, grade three? Oh, grade know. three. Yeah. So, so, uh, by grade three, you definitely want to be, see, let, let's actually, uh, we'll, we'll just start with beginners. Give me a spectrum. Okay. Yeah. Start with the beginner. Yeah. My advice, my advice to beginners is don't do any tuning. Like, uh, or, like... and I'll, I, I can amend that. I can amend that momentarily, but like, so if, if you're at the beginner entry level, mm -hmm. the best thing you could possibly do is have an expert help you get tuned up. And then when it's your turn to compete, you walk up to the table, introduce yourself to the judge. And then when he says go, like strike up your pipes, maybe play a couple of notes and just make sure everything is feeling good and then just start your tune and don't worry about tuning at all. But definitely, That'll as you the, say, rehearse that couple of notes before so you know what you're going to do sure. when you tune. Right, exactly. But, uh, you know, at the absolute entry level, um, you know, if you can get an expert to help you get tuned up, um, the odds that that settling period is going to help you are pretty low, mm. right? Because because as a beginner, tuning is a really difficult thing to do. And so if we can not focus on that and instead focus on the quality of the tune, that's what I would recommend. Now, mm. I've heard like Stuart Little say, you know, with some of his students that he would get them all tuned up and then he would purposefully detune one drone. So then the student would go up in front of the judge, introduce themselves and they'd strike up, but they wouldn't be quite in tune but yeah. then they could just practice moving that one drone uh, and just sort of practice starting to feel comfortable tuning yourself in front of the judge. All that stuff sounds really good to me. But it we want to minimize me like, like, a, like it would impress the judge too, especially at a beginner stage. Like the judge exactly. would go, oh, good job. Like not marking it down, right? But it's definitely thinking like this guy. Oh, all right. Right, exactly. And it's, it's all about that first impression for sure. Mm. So like, you know, all that stuff sounds like fair game to me. But as a beginner, we would want to do the absolute minimum Mm -hmm. in order to get our pipes sounding good. And I would not, as a judge, I prefer to not sit for three minutes uh, while someone is tuning their pipes, but it's clear that they don't really have like an established skill set there yet. Yeah. Like that doesn't seem necessary to me. But some people will do that because they've been told you should use your whole tuning time. I've put some right? judges and through torture like that before myself. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. And um, I think I have too. And, and by the way, you're always going to have the occasional 
performance where you use the whole time and you just never manage to quite get your pipes locked <laughs> in the way that you want. And that's like, that's life, yeah. you know, it's like but, every time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, or every time maybe, uh, uh, for others, but, uh, but that's something we want to work on. And again, if it really is every time, that's yeah. when you want to bring in a consultant. Like yeah. I highly yeah. recommend, I highly recommend players of almost all levels, like even all the way up to grade one, uh, possibly even into professional, you know, like why can't one professional ask another like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? And yeah. you know, usually, usually in the spirit of good sounding pipes, everybody will be willing to like, you know, give you a tip or two if, or if they're finding a detail that you're not hearing, like it's all fair game and you should definitely do that. Yeah. I see a lot of, a lot of competitors, especially in the lower grades, they show up with no one there to help them. And who's going to win that competition? It's like the person who has the uh, people there to help them. Right. Their pipe major, so, their tutor or somebody there to help. Yeah. And then as you get more advanced, so like, like you say, let's say grade three, we definitely want to have a tuning routine that we go through and we want to have an evaluation process. So, you know, once we start up our pipes, maybe play one part of a slow air and then compare our low A to the drones and make a nice decision and retune things as needed. And then when you get to the super high levels, like when you watch the Glenfiddich, I think they have an extra minute to tune yeah. at the Glenfiddich because it's like, because it's that, you know, because it's that beneficial for those players to really be able to think through their instrument and how, and, and whether or not it's really settled before they begin. What, what if, what if a soloist were to stand up and just like do just like a complete flex, right. And just like play a face melting wild solo before they even solo is that yeah is that is that too much or is that a really great idea for somebody to try it, it kind of reminds me of like it's it's kind of like if um if you went to like a really expensive restaurant uh-huh. uh like and and where where like the main where like it was like a set menu like you know that new that new movie called the menu we just watched that you yeah know, like all this fancy mm-hmm. food with like the foam like the like lobster foam and like all those fancy <laughs> yeah. ingredients but then like but then before anybody even came to greet you, like after you sat down at the table, before the waiter even came over to like give you the menu, someone just slapped like a five guys cheeseburger down there. <laughs> just like, <laughs> or like even where, like, no, we're let's go confident. with like a Whopper. Let's go with like a Whopper, a Whopper with cheese. Even better. Yeah. Like still in like the a wrapper. Whopper with cheese. <laughs> yeah. A Whopper with cheese is delicious, but yeah. it destroys, it destroys the vibe of what comes after. Mm, gotcha. And so, uh, you know, so you wouldn't want that at a rest at a fancy restaurant that you were, yeah. you know, going to strictly to so that you could experience the quality. So you wouldn't right. want that here either. So whatever you play during that tuning settling period, okay, and uh, whatever you play should be complementary and shouldn't steal the show from what's to come. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll just hear pipers play kind of mostly random notes, um, and there's something every, every to be said. Every time you say that, that, I want to make a Peabrook joke. <laughs> right like, like p-rock is random notes. right but it's play not. some random notes and be like that was a p-rock yeah. actually <laughs> yeah uh but it's not and so uh but yeah you'll hear top players kind of they have what they do sometimes it's like you know along the same lines it's like some people will even say they don't like to hear slow airs mm-hmm. before a p-rock right because it's like it's like de-cleansing the palate so, sure uh, yeah. So, yeah so at the top levels you'll often hear pipers play uh, a couple of abbreviated variations of a P-Rock just because 
you know, it, it tends to be like least disturbing to the palate. But again, that's high end stuff. Right. If you're right, in grade, right. if you're in grade three, you know, yeah, playing one part of a slow air and then reaching up and double checking the tuning of the drones, like, I think that's probably fine. Mm. But yeah, it gets at, at, towards the higher levels, it gets weirder and people have stranger preferences. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as we were mentioning before, it's like it might play into the strategy yeah. of how you're going to attempt to win the, the contest, just how you present yourself in that first couple minutes. So what about that third bucket when it comes to like the tune? I'm assuming that that might include like mostly like maybe it's mostly like musical expression, you know, like the way you execute the tune. But does that also yeah. like I, maybe it's kind of like judging you before your judging period actually starts. But like how much does tune selection matter? You know, like should we be During researching our up? judges? No, I'm like 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 first bucket being finger work, second bucket being your instrument and how you play it. And then third bucket being the musicality of it or something like that. Right. Like maybe that's a yeah. more ephemeral section, but it matters. Right. And like, I'm just thinking like, is it just you played, um, uh, dark Isle really, really well, or is it also that that judge, their first solo piece was dark Isle. And so they really love that you played it or they think you didn't yeah. play it right. And so, you know, you set yourself at a disadvantage. So I think a good judge. Okay has zero bias as to, uh, you know, what tunes you select. Mm. Uh, but it's a nuanced issue, right? Like, yeah. let's say, J let's say Jim shows up and he plays a tune that's way too hard for him. Mm. Right. And then the other guy shows up and he's not as good a player as Jim, but he played a simple tune. Well, instead of a tune that was too hard for him, uh, not particularly well. Right. And then like, so now you have to take the, the tune selection into account when you determine the results. So it's not like purely black and white. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, in general, and what I try to do as a judge is like, I try to not, uh, I try to not let my bias, like tunes I particularly like versus ones I don't particularly like. I try not to let that factor into the result. And so mm -hmm. I think you'll find most judges are the same, but then, uh, so, sometimes it's just like not possible. Like some people, when you play, unjust incarceration like if you play it even remotely well you know that uh that person's gonna win it just because it's like a famous that's a famous tune that everybody loves and if you pull it off like it's gonna be tough to beat there are definitely those types of tunes out there mm. so so like uh the short answer is no it won't factor into the result but the longer answer is it probably does yeah that's what is yeah. that uh long answer yes with an if short answer no with a but <laughs> right exactly i think that was uh reverend lovejoy something along those lines <laughs> yeah yeah but and that's the um and, and that's that's sort of the name of the game hey everybody andrew douglas here from the piper's dojo and i just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening. Thank <laughs> you.